I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 3, Episode 9. Exit Wounds. A warm, bright morning sun lit up the parking lot. Becca looked at the ragged group of five that had just arrived. There was a middle-aged man, a young woman, and three children. They were like something out of a Victorian slum. Ragged, dirty clothes, long, matted hair, and faces smeared with filth. In a previous world, they might have been a family, or at least that would have been Becca's default assumption. But in these times, a closer inspection would reveal that there was no family resemblance among them. They were not a family in the traditional sense. Those had been mostly destroyed by the sickness. They were the new version of family, created in this desperate new world of isolated survivors who were driven into small communal groups by the chaos. The apocalypse had shaken the world apart, and now it was beginning to settle into these small clumps of humanity. To Becca, they were all starting to look the same. She wrinkled her nose. They smelled Terrible. Oliver Twist and Sherlock Holmes stories couldn't even hint at the reek of humanity in an era without running water or functioning sanitation. She looked over her shoulder to make sure the guards were in place. Okay, people, my name's Becca, and I'm in charge of intake here. I'm going to check you in, then you can get cleaned up and have something to eat. That perked them up a little. She noticed she had the kids' attention now. She looked them over. The kids looked hungry. Back when she worked in the school, they used to always say, the kids are the future. She wondered if there was a future now, and if these kids would be strong enough, resilient enough to build it. God help them. They were a miserable lot, half alive and half wild animals. But she needed to get them checked in, to get them started on being absorbed into the fabric of the community that was being built here for the future, if there was to be one. She needed the empathy of a saint when they showed up in this feral state, barely human anymore. She needed to meet them where they were. She learned that empathy went a long way in these interactions. 
made the process less transactional and more personal. The transition out of the wild to the relative normalcy of the distribution center routine was jarring for them. Every little bit of empathy helped. She continued in a softer tone. I know the last few months have been chaotic for you. You've seen some bad things. Maybe you've done some bad things. Put all that aside. You are welcome here. You are safe here. This is your second chance. We're building back. We want to help you, and we need people to help us. Becca paused to let that sink in. The rules are simple. Don't do anything stupid. She smiled for a reaction. You can leave any time you want, but if you stay, we ask that you be respectful and useful. We're all in this together. One thing I need to make sure you understand, for the safety of everyone, no weapons are allowed during the 30-day probationary period. Please, please do not abuse our trust. If you do... There will be consequences. We're civilized here. She paused again. And we expect you to act like citizens. Becca paused and surveyed the dead and tired eyes again for some sign of reaction. She knew that they wouldn't fully digest any of her words until they had eaten and rested. A full belly makes for an open mind. It would take three or four more conversations for them to start to come around. She sighed and looked at her clipboard. Name? She asked the nearest man at the front. Nigel, the man replied. Nigel Brown. Age? She continued, taking notes. He paused and searched for an answer. Forty-three, uh, I think. Occupation, Becca said. Before, I mean, what did you do before? Insurance, the man said, blinking like he was starting to wake up from a dream. Okay, Nigel, follow Charlie there. Take a shower, get some fresh clothes and a meal. You'll go on Brad's team after orientation. She handed him a large tongue depressor with a B written on it in black sharpie. Don't lose that. Becca watched the wretched man limp off to the shower room and wondered if he would make it. A surprisingly large percentage of them left after a few good meals. They just couldn't adjust back to civilized living, to normal. They were too far gone. Managing the intake of new arrivals was jarring. It was hard to see and accept what the apocalypse had wrought on humanity. But, Becca thought, it's work that has to be done. Necessary work. And somehow it had fallen to her. She still couldn't quite wrap her head around the events of the last few months, the contrast between where she started as the lunch lady for the local regional tech school and where she was now, leading the assimilation of newcomers into the D.C. community with a 
car chase, escape across the river, and a gunfight in between to boot. Heavens, it made your head spin if you thought too hard about it or tried to make sense of it. Maybe it wasn't that much of a leap from welcoming surly teens to a hot, nutritious meal to welcoming damaged human survivors back into the warmth of normalcy. It was what she did. Becca looked at the next bedraggled specter in line, forced a sunny smile, and tried to hide her involuntary shudder. Name? In the shadows at the back of the security cages, Harlan pulled up the wire from the rail on the floor in the corner near Tasker's cell and shimmied under the gap. It had taken a couple days of consistent wiggling, but the wires eventually snapped. He had shown Tasker how to make the wire brittle by wiggling them back and forth and weathering the metal. Working together, they were able to create a second opening between the cages. Harlan squeezed back into his cage and pushed a box in front of the opening to hide it. Then he turned to the opening they had made on Tasker's side. See if you can squeeze through here. Harlan instructed the tasker, careful of the sharp edges. They're liable to take a chunk out of you. As Harlan held the jagged flap up, tasker shimmied through on his back. That'll do her just fine. Harlan smiled as tasker emerged and stood, wiping floor dust from his grimy khakis and adjusting his belt. When do we leave? Tasker asked conspiratorially. We'll wait till the witching hour, Harlan winked. He was a type of man who winked a lot, as if it was some sort of secret communication device that increased camaraderie. After midnight, two or three in the morning when everything's quiet, then I'm back in charge? Tasker asked. Sure, but first we give that woman a message. Then we'll go find the king. And when we do... We'll come back with the cavalry and put you back in charge. Now get back over to your side, and I'll wake you up when it's time. The high-pressure sodium lamps clicked overhead as Brad reached into a cardboard case box. They were working late again, and the women helping him seemed like they wanted to be done. Pickles! Brad yelled down. It's supposed to be garlic, one of the women yelled back, looking up from a clipboard. Brad climbed down the rack carefully to join them on the floor. He was holding a large jar of pickles. Does this look like garlic to you? He asked, holding out the jar. The two women squinted at the jar. It says garlic pickles, she said, pointing. Just copy down the skew. There are twenty cases of these, nine jars to a case on that pallet in location ERO6. Write that down and we'll fix the record. The woman, whose name was Claire, and, if he remembered correctly, had worked in a car dealership before the apocalypse, rolled her eyes. Garlic? Pickles? 
Who cares? Brad bristled. It matters. Write it down. Knowing what we've got matters. He shoved the jar into the hands of the other woman who was helping, remembering that her name was Ramona. Put this in the cafeteria and make sure to note the transfer. Brad was in his element. He had found his purpose. He was responsible for inventory and auditing the records. Slowly but surely, he was documenting everything they had at the D.C. It was important to get it right. Even the pickles. What would the old man have said? Something like, For the want of a nail, the kingdom was lost. He missed the old guy and his annoying dad jokes and obscure old-timey references. The old man knew that details were important. He was a doctor. Details meant life or death sometimes. Brad was a glorified inventory clerk promoted to quartermaster because he knew that details mattered. He paused to survey the women and realized that they were worn out. He had lost track of time. It was late. Even though he was in the zone and could keep going all night, they couldn't, and he shouldn't push them. That's how mistakes were made. He made a show of looking at his watch. All right, ladies, that's enough. Good work tonight. I'll finish up here. You get some rest, and we'll keep going in the morning. Get the rest of the crew together and meet me in Building 12 at 8 o'clock a.m. They nodded, turned, and walked down the dusty aisle towards the door. Ramona carried a big jar of pickles cradled like a baby. They shared some comments he couldn't hear and laughed as the metal door closed behind them. They were obviously relieved to be done. To them, it was busy work. They didn't understand. He knew it was important work. He knew that this inventory was the ultimate measure of success or failure as they attempted to recover and rebuild to claw their way back to normalcy from the chaos of the apocalypse, to one day emerge from the dark into the light of a new dawn. The standoff with Harlan and the king's men had been a revelation for Brad. That's when he realized that the whole world was on the brink, staring into the abyss of chaos that the very concept of civilization was hanging by a very thin thread. This place and this inventory could tip the scales, could shift the balance in favor of democracy and civilization. Details were very important, and details would make the difference. Details would decide which way the balance fell between the normalcy they were trying to build and the Dark Ages. They teetered on the edge, and Brad would do his part to make a difference. Harlan and Tasker stealthily made their way through the distribution center towards a shipping office. 
They passed through the cafeteria area, now deserted and dark. Only the green status lights on the kitchen equipment created any light, creating oily shadows on the wall as they moved. It wasn't difficult to move around, undetected in the dark, once they were out of the cage. It was a moonless night, gloomy with dark clouds and gusting winds. The darkness obscured their movement, and the wind covered any sound they made. There were sentries posted during the night, but their attention was focused outward for potential threats, not inward. Even then, they were hunkered down in their watch post, braced against the worsening weather. The two escapees moved without notice or incident through the facility like a pair of scurrying black rats. They stayed quiet and out of sight. As they neared the front building entrance, Harlan whispered, We need weapons. Tasker nodded and led the way through what had previously been his command post to what had been his private gym off the side of the cafeteria. Tasker pointed to the various weights and weightlifting bars that leaned against the walls or sat on racks. Harlan gave him a confirming pat on the shoulder and moved forward. He slid the metal weights off the ends of a chromium easy curl preacher bar and hefted it from its rack. It was about four feet long and weighed a solid 25 pounds even without the weights. This'll do nicely, Harlan hissed. You stay here and watch my back. I'll be back in a minute. What are you gonna do? Tasker asked. Going to find some keys so we can get out of here, Harlan answered. Tasker nodded and sat back on a weight bench. Harlan took his metal club and continued up the back stairs to the shipping office. At the top of the stairs, Harlan paused to let his eyes adjust to the dark. Silently, he eased through the door and got the sense of the shape of the room in the gloom. That's when he heard the slow, steady breathing of someone near the back of the room. Perfect, he thought. Sergeant Crane was on his regular rounds. It was a very dark night, and it felt like a storm was kicking up. He had an urge to reach for his smartphone and look at the weather app before realizing once again that neither of those things existed anymore. Old habits die hard. He really didn't mind working the late shift every couple of weeks. It was easy duty. He'd walk the fence and make sure the sentries were awake. He'd check the buildings to make sure nothing was amiss. The most exciting thing he'd experienced so far was when someone left an oven on and caused a bit of smoke in the cafeteria. He didn't sleep much anyhow. Insomnia seemed to be a common part of the apocalypse routine, not just for Sergeant Crane. Many of the survivors were plagued with restlessness and nightmares. It was hard to sleep when the bloated, dead faces of those you had loved kept showing up in your dreams and talking to you. 
Crane pushed into the admin building and shook some of the dampness from his uniform shirt. If the weather kept up, he was going to have to dig his coat back out of storage. He never heard Tasker behind him in the dark raise the ten-pound dumbbell. Crane fell forward, collapsing in a heap. Tasker moved past in the dark to find Harlan. They needed to get out of there. Harlan grinned as he raised the easy curl bar like an executioner's axe over the sleeping form of Mags in the office cot. Mags's eyes snapped open just as the killing blow began to fall. In an autonomous act of self-survival, she rolled, avoiding most of the unwieldy weapon, taking a blow off the side of her head and shoulder. She continued to roll off the cot onto the floor as the pain of the blow exploded in her shoulder and adrenaline pumped through her body. She started to scramble away on her hands and knees, but had nowhere to go in the crowded office. Harlan pulled the weapon up and aimed another awkward blow at her back. It landed with a meaty thud across her shoulder blades, and she let out a grunting whoosh breath. Tasker rushed through the door and burst into the room, grabbing Harlan by the sleeve. We gotta go. Harlan shrugged off Tasker's hand and threw the easy curl bar down at the motionless mags on the floor. Game, set, match, bitch. He sneered. Harlan grabbed a handful of vehicle keys from the pegboard by the door on his way out. Let's get out of here. We've overstayed our welcome and the warden just granted us a reprieve. Michael snapped awake from his own restless sleep to the sound of a vehicle starting, followed by shouting and gunshots. He shook himself to be sure it wasn't just the wind and rain buffeting the metal roof. No, there was something happening. He grabbed his rifle and ran as fast as he could for the door. As he emerged into the maelstrom, he saw a panel truck crash through the front gate and roar off into the stormy night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my survivor friends, and happy holidays. The ice is on the pond, the snow is on the ground, and my furnace is working hard to keep this old bag of bones warm. And we're almost there, one episode away from our 50th episode in this narrative. And that will mark the halfway point of the After the Apocalypse journey. And for those of you time traveling, that puts us at the Ides of December 2022. And our story is cooking right along. We hope you're enjoying it. My goal is to make it evergreen so that even at the end of the season five, there will be a nice hundred episode stack for people to enjoy as they come upon it. And we get about yeah, four to 5,000 downloads a week. And that's kind of where it's stabilized. And downloads are not listens in the podcast world, but it's really the only thing that they can track, that ACAST can track. And we spiked up last spring to over uh, 20,000 downloads a month. But then it dropped a little bit as I took some time off over the summer. I do get ad revenue for this, but not enough. Not enough, my friends, to cover my cost and uh, nowhere near enough to cover my time <laughs> and that's where the love comes in the love fills the gap and my wife upon hearing this would say well if you just get each of those 20,000 people to pay you something which seems like a simple enough thing doesn't it but of course it doesn't work that way which is a long way around of saying if you can sign up for one of the subscription options on Patreon or Acast I will appreciate it. I'll send you an After the Apocalypse patch for your favorite ugly holiday sweater. So sit back and get comfy, because today I was doing some thinking this week, uh, and I'm going to talk about art and the concept of generating art. And you may have seen the recent buzz around generative artificial intelligence, generative AI. And there's a bunch of apps out there, a bunch of programs now, that use the new AI engines to generate content. And the way this, gen this generation of AI works is that it's machine learning based, which means that you start with a sort of general capability to learn that you've programmed and targeted to some space, like painting or writing. And then you feed that learning engine as many examples of what you're trying to generate as you can. And the machine then learns from these examples, and then at the end, it can generate its own content based on what it has been trained in. So you feed the algorithms all of Picasso's works, and it can turn around and create a Picasso-like rendition of your selfie. And it's pretty cool. There's an iPhone app called Lenza AI that will do this, and it's making big waves right now, very popular, very viral. Or in the case of writing, you feed it all the Hemingway, and then you ask it to write a 500-word essay in the style of Hemingway about something, let's say dogs, and it will produce that essay. And it will be a pretty good approximation of Hemingway's style. And there's an open AI program called ChatGPT that is doing just that, making a lot of waves right now. Theoretically, you could load all the episodes of After the Apocalypse into it. 
and it would write the rest of the season for me. We could do that. And of course, if they can generate text and visual art, they can also generate music and video. There's general AI for that as well. But artificial intelligence is not a new concept. It has been well-defined and on our minds since, since the dawn of science fiction, right? In our world, as apocalyptic fiction geeks, we've been running from evil, sentient computers for decades. How about HAL in 2001 A Space Odyssey? How about Skynet in The Terminator? And just last week, just last week, we were talking about Harlan Ellison and his story, the apocalyptic novella, A Boy and His Dog. Another great Harlan Ellison story is one called I Have No Mouth, But I Must Scream, about a sentient Cold War supercomputer that spends its time torturing the handful of survivors of the war. And it's a very chilling story. And I listened to it at some point in the last couple of years on a podcast, but I can't remember which podcast it was. But if you want to listen to an audio of it, you can listen to it on YouTube. And I remember reading one story in an anthology many, many years ago, but it always stuck with me. In this story, they create a computer that manages the world. So no one would ever go hungry. There wouldn't be any chaos or economic turmoil. The computer was programmed to manage everything to a nice even keel. But in the story, for some reason, they keep having problems. There would be a shortage or there's some other anomaly despite the logic of the computer. So our pr protagonist in the story is on a mission to figure it out. And what he discovered... Yeah, ironically enough, was that the computer was working just fine, but since there were humans involved, they still found a way to screw things up. And of course, that's just a sampling of the many of hundreds of stories, right? There are thousands of these types of stories, and they probably go way back to Greek mythology. In some way, this artificial human concept taps some dark fear in our psyche, sort of like the apocalyptic fear. It's like we know we're smart enough to create our own replacement. And we also know there's nothing we can do to stop ourselves. Like the scorpion, we can't help ourselves. It's in our nature. So this new wave of automation is an existential threat to creatives. Because, you know, hey, it's okay to automate those manual blue-collar jobs, but now you're coming for the bourgeoisie. And the biggest offense of humans against the machines has always been our ability to imagine new things to create. Well, now that we've taught our machines to create, what's left? What's our value? And these early versions of generative AI are only doing what they've been programmed to do. So in the background, there is some mathematical definition or weighting of the elements of Hemingway's style. Maybe it's the short sentences and the tight prose. Maybe it's the vocabulary. If we were to dump our After the Apocalypse episodes into the machine learning, what would it find? Maybe it would weight the use of dark imagery and complex vocabulary and perhaps an introspection of the characters, right? I don't know. But I think the current independent author model 
where we have these authors that are just generating piles of content to keep their sales up to survive, that's probably ripe for disintermediation. AI could generate most of that mediocre content for us, which, you know, let's be truthful, that's probably 80% of the content that exists. And there's probably a business model there, right? Somebody will set up a computer to do that, to publish books. And I foresee a future where content is going to have to be labeled as either robot or human-generated, like an organic potato. So this is the point in the essay where it starts to get weird. <laughs> I was listening to outtakes from a Jerry Garcia interview. Hold on. What? What, Chris? What? Who's Jerry Garcia? Well, children, Jerry was the lead guitarist for a band called The Grateful Dead, and I'm currently listening my way through The Grateful Dead podcast, and it's really, uh, well, interesting. One of the hallmarks of the dead was that they never played the same show, never played the same thing twice. Over 30 years of touring, 2,300 plus shows, you never got the same show. And one of the segments in these concerts was a, a, a little piece called Space, where they just went sideways into weird audio noises and effects and jams for long periods of time. And I always thought they called it space because they were a bunch of heads spacing out. But in this interview, what Jerry said was that they were trying to create physical space. They were trying to create an n-dimensional space through the music. Create that space beyond the music with the music as the vehicle or the key to the vehicle. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because that, my friends, is why we still need humans to create that space. The AI can mimic in their creations, but they aren't actually creating new space. Or maybe I'm an idealist. Can the AI realize that I'm trying to construct an episode that contrasts the brightness and normalcy of the distribution center to the darkness and the chaos of the apocalypse? We'll see. So sorry for the long, strange trip this, uh, this outro turned into. Most of the things I talk about here have hyperlinks to the source material, and I am posting these articles on the new-ish website, oldmanapocalypse.com. I just went back and counted. There are 13 hyperlinks to content in this article. That means if you hear something you want to know more about, Go to the website, find the post, follow the link. And you can also ask us a question about it on the Facebook group, which will be the 14th link in this uh, article. Have a great week. I'm working on episode 10. I may or may not take a couple weeks off over the holidays, but since you're listening to this from an evil AI-controlled future, you probably don't care. So don't worry too much about the looming apocalypse. Just keep smiling. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Island and keep surviving. <laughs>